welcome Amazing. to live stream for the cure gentlemen thank you very thank much you thank you for, for having, having us transatlantically let the audience know uh let the, let the audience know a little bit about you and about uh spy hearts sure uh well basically we are a weekly spy movie podcast uh we review a different spy movie every week but it's with a twist and like all good spy stories it has a very good twist and the twist is basically we try and figure out if the film makes what we call the knock list and now cam is much better at explaining that than i am right the knock list is the need to see official classics of the spy hearts podcast essentially what we're trying to do is create the pantheon of great spy films a list that were you to hand it to someone, covertly, I would assume, maybe in an alley or something, wearing a trench coat? <laughs> Actually, that sounds kind of dirty. Let's take back the trench hey, coat part. No, but, go um, with it. Go with it. Go with it. <laughs> let's go with the trench coat. Okay, if you were to hand someone this list, it would be all killer, no filler. They could watch all the spy movies on that list and appreciate them all and enjoy them all. So it is kind of the best of the best, but not a snobby list where it's only the ones that you know, were made before 1960 or something like that. We want to have great entertainments, influential films, um, even stuff up to the modern day. So it's kind of a compilation of all the best spy movies have to offer. Absolutely perfect. And what do you gentlemen have planned for us this evening? Well, it's something a little bit different. We were going to review a film, but we thought, hey, let's do eight films. Hmm. That won't confuse people. No, it's a basic... <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've we got 50 minutes. Let's go for it, shall we? Um, no, the general idea is basically we have picked eight spies in cinema and then we picked eight of their films and we've uh, written them down and put eight films in a hat and eight names in a hat and we're going to mix them all up and then make the perfect film between them. So let's say we pull out Austin Powers and we stick him in the Spy Kids Mm. That's a, that's an interesting film. Probably a, a not very good kids film anymore. But uh... I can't think of a, le a less appropriate character to throw into a children's film. <laughs> I really want that to happen now. Well, fortunately, at the end, if we're going to have a few awards to give out, and we will be having an audience award. So uh, if you really like the film, you can start funding it now. Basically, you Chris Yaney with a $27 donation for uh, all the <laughs> Eon and non-Eon Bond fans. And mm. uh, by the way, and I, I'm assuming you guys will understand this, but let both Mr. Bonds know that Pussy Galore is in the room. Hello, oh. Em. Hello, <laughs> hey, Em. Yep. Mm. <laughs> she, she might be swinging by Spy Hard sometime soon. A, a whisper, or so I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And maybe for a Bond film, the most illustrious of all assignments for any potential guest. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, yeah, so that's, that's basically the show. So what I think we'll do to start off with is tell you the spies and tell you the films. Perfect. So um, I've got the films. Cam, you have the spies, right? Yep. Joy Walker's so spies. Yeah, the spies we're going to talk about today are the Sean Connery, James Bond, Austin Powers, as we mentioned, the Spy Kids, as we mentioned, Charlie's Angels. Now, which version? The Lucy Lou, My Girl Drew, Cameron D, and Destiny. Come on. <laughs> that, that version of Charlie's Angels. We're going to have Jason Bourne, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible, of course. Brian Mills, those who don't remember, Brian Mills was Liam Neeson in Taken. And to close it out, Black Widow, as played by Scarlett Johansson in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
I'm here now, for it. Scott, a... what films? Yeah, what films are we going to tackle? Yeah, so uh, that's a varied bunch there, uh, mostly from around the sort of 80s, 90s, and noughties. But in terms of films, we have Sean Connery's Goldfinger as the Bond film. Uh, we have Charlie's Angels, Charlie's Angels from 2000, the <laughs> Mook G directed one, which we actually covered a couple of weeks ago. Very fun episode. Um, for Austin Powers, we went with Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, which is the first one from, I believe, 97 mm -hmm. off the top of my head. Uh, we went with Spy Kids 1 because actually all the Spy Kids follow the same story, but uh, that's the one most people have seen. <laughs> Wait, are you saying people haven't seen Spy Kids 3D Game Over? <laughs> I, I found out yesterday there's a Spy Kids 4 with Joel McHale. Did anyone know there's Joel uh... McHale in a Spy Kids film? <laughs> We it's have called to cover all the this. time in the world. Yeah, all the time in the world. <laughs> we have to sit down and review this film at some point. So uh, feel bad for us. No, Scott, we're trying to sell people on the podcast, not turn them away. <laughs> I like them to know what they're going to get. So they're not disappointed sure. immediately. They get disappointed after 10 minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, with the films then, so we have Born Identity, the, the first one. I'm not sure, the year 2004, maybe. Um, for Mission Impossible for Ethan Hunt, we have Mission Impossible Fallout, which is the most recent one with Henry Cavill. Uh, then we have, for Brian Mills, we have Taken One, although every film someone's taken in the Taken films, I think. So they are all the same, but we'll go with the simple one where his daughter is captured. Mm. And finally, to wrap it up, we have the Black Widow film, which hasn't actually come out yet. So that's kind of our red herring. We don't know what the plot is, so we're going to make it up. What could go wrong? <laughs> it's live. It's, it's just going to be an adventure. We're going to figure it out together. There's already some Spy Kids uh, dislike in the chat, which I, I, I enjoy. Thank you, everyone. Oh, wow. Spy Kids are <laughs> awful. That's, that's cold, sir. That's very cold. <laughs> or ma'am. Whoever. Whomever. He's been drinking moonshine for the past three days. He doesn't know what he's saying anymore. <laughs> he was eating crickets earlier. Fair enough. I, I would say that anyone who made the Spy, Kill, uh, Spy Kids films was also maybe drinking some moonshine, judging from some of the visuals and ideas in those movies. <laughs> I watched the first one today in preparation for this, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of fart jokes. I don't remember that. Oh my! To be fair, you watch it every day to prepare just for your normal day, just that's to go to my, work. That's my routine. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up, get out of bed, brush a comb across my... Oh no, that's gone. Uh, yeah. Aww. Oh, well, that's depressing. Aww. Oh, wow. Pandemic. We've wandered down a dark path, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, what we're going to do then is we're going to draw them at random and make the films. We're going to make eight films and then we're going to vote for the best, the worst, uh, audience awards and things like that as well. So, I guess without further ado, we should pick our first spy. Okay. The first spy we're going to tackle <laughs> are the spy kids. Good old <laughs> Carmen and Junie. Carmen and Junie are going to be the stars of whatever movie Scott is about to draw. Okay. Um, it's wow. all random. They're in a hat. Don't know who they are. Oh, fate. Yeah. Okay. If, by the way, if we get the actual film that they're in, we'll redraw because that's the mm. fun. Yeah. So we have. <laughs> oh, no. What it's is not it? too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, I don't know if you can see it on the screen. It's Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, well, the plot of Mission Impossible Fallout. I took the liberty of getting the synopsis for all the films, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't very helpful. 
But basically, he goes back and uh, recaptures that guy he's been facing for the last two films, has a fist fight with Henry Cavill, and dangles off of a helicopter. So we've got the Spy Kids now as Ethan Hunt. Yeah, okay, sure. Are we, divvy- are we divvying up the, like, the action sequences between each kid, or are they paired together? Are Junie and Carmen... Like, do they equal one Tom Cruise? That's the question. Ju- Junie and Carmen. Is it Carmen? Junie yes. and Carmen. I should know this. I watched it today. Uh, <laughs> are, are, you know, are the McCartney and Lennon. You can't separate them. They are okay. at best together. Okay. To be fair, McCartney and Lennon did separate. <laughs> Ouch. It's true. <laughs> Were they at their best? Mm. Yes. Um, okay. So what would the film be? It, obviously, he's got to go back. So they're, they're avenging something. They're getting revenge. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've got this other spy that's being put in to take over their agency. Yes. And we have the um, syndicate, the rise of the syndicate taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So how, how are is we it, building this movie? What is it a comedy now because the spy kids are in it or are we going straight action and the spy kids have to deal with it? Spy kids is a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kid. I kid. Well, I think we got to play it straight. I think we have to match them to the tone of the movie. I think it has to be Mission Impossible Fallout, as so many of us experienced it, you know, a fairly dramatic action thriller, you know, some light bits here and there, but, you know, fairly consistent thriller with Mm -hmm. the Spy Kids. I think the Spy Kids have to meet the tone of the movie. They have to fit the requirement of the job. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of stunt sequences in this. Like, I'm thinking of the zero-G jump. I'm thinking of, you know, the fight in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know which bathroom we're in in this case. Um, I guess the spy kids are going to have to separate for that scene. But uh... <laughs> and you could you could have you could have one of them, you know, somebody, a bad guy gets thrown through the wall of one bathroom into the other bathroom. That's how you bring in the other spy kid. Mm hmm. Sure. We had, a, yeah, that would we had work. a good idea from the chat there, actually. Um, someone's just posted that basically they would get to the helicopter a lot quicker. So the ending would be a lot better because there's no ex-wife to worry about because they're too young to have a wife. That's true. Very true. Now, I also have a question, too, because a lot of the physical stunts that, you know, Tom Cruise is doing in that movie, they're tough. Like, I think of the whole sequence where he's hanging from the helicopter, pulling himself up the rope. I don't know that I buy the spy kids doing this. Um, (laughs) They are kids, after all. Um, I think there would be a lot more gadgets going on. I seem to recall they may have had rocket packs. I think there might be a rocket pack involved in the sequence. Maybe, I, look, these kids don't have driver's licenses. They can't be driving a helicopter. So I think um, there's a Can rocket you drive pack. drive a helicopter? I don't know. You fly a helicopter, either one. A license is required nonetheless. <laughs> so I think one of these kids, or both, are going to be in jetpacks chasing after Henry Cavill. Well, here's the thing. So I watched Spy Kids today, so I have a little bit of a uh, leg up on this one. So sure. Junie, the the boy, um, he has blisters on his fingers because he has such sweaty hands. Okay, and at the beginning of the film, he's holding on to this thing and he drops down. He can't what? hold on because of his sweaty hands. This is in the first film. So <laughs> I'm picturing Junie being the one hanging from the ball on the bottom of the helicopter. Okay, and then and then he loses the grip. Oh. And then Carl goes in with the jetpack, saves him, okay. flies into the cockpit of the helicopter, takes the helicopter, catches up with Henry Cavill, and together they use uh, there's little chewing gum with like it's it's like an EMP chewing gum that shocks yeah. people, 
Um, they use that on Henry Cavill to take the helicopter down. It kills him. They get back in time and stop the bomb. It would be pretty grim to have like two kids um, watching Henry Cavill get his face caved in with a hook. <laughs> like that's just, it's a little too heavy. I like your approach to it where it is a little more whiz bang kind of silliness. I think two hours of the, the Spy Kids being in peril is maybe a little bit too much for those guys. So I think a little bit of fun with a jetpack and some chewing gum uh, stun grenades is, is probably the way to go to end the film. Is this entire movie of Fallout improved with jetpacks? I think any film's improved with jetpacks. Just look I, at uh, Thunderball, isn't it? I think the Connery one. Yeah, the most slow th- yeah. um, jetpack of all time, yeah. <laughs> hey, he has a jetpack. We don't have a jetpack. That's true. That's true. Okay. That's why we're podcasters, so, not secret agents. Exactly. That they know. Um, well, okay. That's the Spy Kids in Mission Impossible Fallout. So we have part the next one. So Cam, you yes. draw. So the next one we're going to tackle are the Charlie's Angels, as I referenced earlier as well. The Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu version. Uh, we are not talking about the newer version of Charlie's Angels, which I thought was all right, but no one liked. Boy, do people not like that movie. So, um, yes, yeah, Scott, what movie are the Charlie's Angels starring in? Okay. This kind of works, actually. Okay, so the Charlie's Angels are starring in Spy Kids. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that is actually a really good tonal match. Yeah, that actually works together. Um, so, Okay, so in this film, then, because in the Spy Kids film, their parents go, uh, their parents get married and have the kids, the Spy Kids, and then they go on another mission after ten years on hiatus, and then get mm-hmm. captured, and it's the Spy Kids rescuing them. That's basically the ninety minutes in in a sentence. So, are the yeah. angels rescuing their parents, or are they rescuing Charlie? Oh, I have this solved. Go okay, on. so in Spy Kids, it's um, Antonio Banderas and Carla uh, Gugino, right, who are the parents. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, I think the Charlie's Angels, the Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu, are saving the original wow. Angels. Maybe all of their mothers, aunts, whatever. However you want to tie this together, whatever it is, I think we have original Angels cameos popping. I, I think, you know, this movie is made maybe in the year 2000. We're going to go backwards. We're not going to worry about timelines and what have you. Who's still around? I think you have Farrah Fawcett, Kate Jackson, etc. Okay, so they're at the beginning of the film. They're in it, going on a mission, but because they're they, they've been doing it for so long, they're not so good anymore. They get captured. So the new generation of spy of Charlie's Angels turn up. Okay, yeah, fine. But do we still have Alan Cummings and those those big giant plastic monster things? Oh yeah, we're keeping those thumb creatures or whatever the heck they were. And yeah. um, you know what? Like the original villain of Char- the first Charlie's Angels was Alan Cumming. Or sorry, it was um, Sam Rockwell. What am I saying? Sam Rockwell, who's like dancing all over the place. Like he's a madman in that movie. Mm-hmm. That is not a far stretch to get to Alan Cumming, I feel like. He could also do that sort of campy performance. I could picture Alan Cumming doing dancing scenes to techno music. I could he is invincible it. after all. He is, yeah. This is a really easy one, actually. This is not, uh, as far as the film, you could put them in and Yeah, I think. The gadgets all really work. I mean, we never saw, you know, jetpacks in Charlie's Angels, but I'd have bought it if we did. Mm-hmm. Um, we see things that just as absurd with like LL Cool J costumes at the start of <laughs> Charlie's Angels. 
Well, we haven't had the Charlie's Angels film yet, but I, I, I'm looking forward to talking about um, the, the Freddy Got Fingered guy. Oh, uh, Tom Green? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he would also... I, are we working him into... Uh, into um, I, I hope not. Kids as well? I, I hope not. I don't want to see him. The Chad is never enough. <laughs> I don't know. We could have a scene where he's hanging um, sausages from the ceiling, like in Freddy Got Fingered. I'm I've got okay it. I've got it. Mm. Uh, Tom Green is playing Machete. Oh, <laughs> he's like that, he's their cousin. He's got all the gadgets for them, uh, sure. and then he gets his own spin-off ten years later, where he's just brutally murdering people. Great. Mm, I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, so I'll write that in my notes. Tom Green is Machete, so we have that pitch yeah. at the end for when we go and present this to you know Miramax. Are we calling it Spy Kids? That seems like such a weird title for three grown women starring as action heroes. Angel I guess kids? it is. Spy angels? I don't know. We'll figure that out. Well, yeah. uh, let's go for number three. Okay. Numero three is Ethan Hunt. Okay, mm Koki. Pick whatever year of Tom Cruise you'd like. If you'd like it to be the uh, long flowing locks of Mission Impossible 2, go nuts. <laughs> uh, another tone that matches. That's interesting. Mm. Taken. I does this? This is dark. Like the thing about Taken is it's this PG-13 rated movie, at least in North America. Overseas, it was, uh, uh, I think they had a, a edgier cut. It was more violent. But over here, it was like a PG-13 rated movie, but it felt very mean-spirited in a lot of ways. There's a lot of ugliness. Like what's the darkest thing that happens in like a Mission Impossible movie? They're pretty light. I feel like the Bond franchise goes to darker places. So to drop Ethan Hunt into this movie... It feels like a dark night of the soul for Ethan Hunt. <laughs> well, my first question is because when we, well, the episode doesn't come out yet, but one thing we talk about is the fact that, uh, what's that chap's name? Brian Mills. Uh, his daughter is the one who obviously gets captured, but she's going mm. on holiday to tour with you 2 Yeah. The uncoolest of things you could do in the mid 2000s is, is, is groupie for you 2 I would say. Yes. So what, what is Tom Cruise's daughter going to do? Um, okay, well, like, I don't know that, I think it has to be something similarly out of touch, but we've got to update it a little bit. Mm. So, like, what's the least cool thing you could be doing that's maybe a few years past you two? I mean, I'm uncool now, so sure. I, maybe chat has a suggestion <laughs> or something. I, I, I don't know who is, un anything I like is uncool. So, mm. Mm. are the killers still cool? I have absolutely no idea. I'm old and broken. <laughs> okay, she's she's going to tour with the Killers. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. Fine. Sure. sure. I I can't picture uh, Tom Cruise in the booth at the end when he's when the, the daughter's on for sale. That's uh, oh that's a rough God. scene. That would be so dark. I'm just picturing now, like the scene of Nicolas Cage watching the snuff video in uh, Eight Millimeter. Oh, like God. it would be that sort of reaction. Like it would, it would oh. be so dark and depressing. <laughs> oh, like this is Ethan. This mission changes Ethan Hunt forever. <laughs> like the whenever Ethan shows up in the next Mission Impossible adventure, he is never the same after the events have taken. I've I've got the ending. I've got mm. the ending. Tom Cruise. It turns out is the one who is taken. He's on sale and he rips off his mask <gasps> and it's Ethan Hunt. It's the daughter oh. and then it becomes him. It's the best I, film ever. Yeah, 
Oh my god. Okay, now are you saying he like maybe saves the daughter immediately and then puts on the disguise of the daughter to go through the rest of the adventure to expose the top of the syndicate. And mm -hmm. also, I've got a cherry on top of this Sunday. Um, you know how in the uh, Taken films, Liam Neeson had his buddies who were like also experts in whatever the heck Liam Neeson was an expert in? Like, mm -hmm. they were former, I don't know, military or intelligence agents that he worked yeah. with. Analysts but in the movie, it, analysts, yeah. In the movie, all they did was have barbecues. Like, that's mm -hmm. it. These guys would be clinking beers and then being like, well, see you later, Liam Neeson. Good luck getting your daughter back. <laughs> like, whatever. But in this movie, it's Mission Impossible. Like, it's Tom Cruise, right? He's calling in favors. Ving Rhames is going to show up. Yeah, Ving is actually going to help out. I think like we're going to boost up the role of these, you know, friends of his. They're going to come in in a larger role. I think Rebecca Ferguson is going to come in and kick ass maybe as well. Mm -hmm. No more keeping the uh, friends on the sidelines. This changes with this movie. That ending just sounds great. I kind of want to see this film. This is the one I'm excited about so far. Yeah, I think so too. And how do you think they're going to do the action? Because when you look at the Takens, it's so mm -hmm. gritty and brutal. Does that fit Ethan Hunt or are we making it more stylized? Well, it's gritty and brutal, but it's kind of dad gritty and brutal. Mm. Like it, it never really goes full violence. You're not see it's not an 18 yeah. or mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. PG 18 in America or R. I think it's rated R. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's none of those things. So no, I think the action is about the same. I think, I think Ethan Hunt has it in him to be that vicious. Yeah. I can, I, and I've seen Tom Cruise doing those social, uh, no, Scientology videos. So mm. I, I know he has that switch where he can be like, hello, I'm your friend. Just like, just... Yeah. The intensity so, too. Yeah. 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 I can He's see got that. that. And you would never question him barreling through like an army of dudes. No. 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 I, I can see it. I think this works actually very well. And uh, are we working in any gadgets? Or are we keeping it gadget-free, stripped down the same way as Taken? Maybe, maybe that whole thing where he goes to the quarry is a little bit more of like a, a an actual spy mission where he infiltrates the quarry, and they've sure. got like Ving Rhames in the van. He's listening to the communications, and he's got like a night vision goggles, and he, I don't know, swoops in from the ceiling and finds the girl with the jacket. Sure. Now, does this turn into, in some ways, like Ethan Hunt's version of Logan, like kind of that? <laughs> epilogue to the career of Ethan Hunt that's kind of sad and melancholy much darker than what we've seen before but it's definitely an end note and it probably ends with his grave I'd be happy for it to, to end I think mm -hmm. he's I think he's done although we've still got two more films yeah creepy old man Dave agrees that you never question uh, Tom Cruise going through a load of dudes so never. there you go <laughs> never <laughs> sure <laughs> I, I'll leave that as it is um, yeah. Yeah. film number four please Cam Yes, okay. The actor we're going to tackle, or the uh, character we're going to tackle next is, we haven't mentioned this one yet, really, Jason Bourne. Oh. Mm. Now, Jason okay. Bourne, had he been drawn for Taken, would have been boring. That would be yeah. like, yeah, I guess, makes sense. Well, we've still got some crazy ones left in the pile, so let's see what we've got. Ah, okay. Okay, we have Black Widow. Oh, okay. Well, right up front, Matt Damon, get measured for your cat suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, 
So we don't know what the Black Widow story is. We've seen a trailer. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. to be like the origin story of Natasha Romanoff is what we've got. Which in we kind ways, of get. We kind of get in the Bourne films. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is actually an interesting pairing because with um, Black Widow, there's a lot of um, mystery surrounding this character. We know there's red in her ledger, whatever that means. Like, there's been dark mm-hmm. things that have happened in the past. I think that fits well with Jason Bourne. Sure. But the world of MCU tonally is very different. Like... Jason Bourne is a character that's very gritty, very like realism based. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be over the top action sequences, big things like really big action sequences in this. Well, there's a there's a scene in the trailer you see where Black Widow's like falling from the sky and mm-hmm. fighting yep. someone with like laser yep. beams or something craziness. Now we've seen Jason Bourne defy gravity a few times, but never to this extent. Do you think he could keep up? I do. I think physically he can. I mean, if Jeremy Renner can, so can uh, so can Jason Bourne, because I put them about on evil, uh, equal footing. And of course, let's remember also that uh, Jeremy Renner was Aaron Cross in the Bourne Legacy. It's all connected, folks. So we may be actually working in a um, Aaron Cross slash Hawkeye cameo in this film as well. I so I think about that Aaron Cross. There we go. That's the we're uniting the Bourne uh, yeah. Legacy technically. It'll be like that scene in, I don't know if anyone remembers this, the 1994 film Maverick, where it's a Mel Gibson Western. And um, at one point, Danny Glover shows up and they look at each other and go like, you, and then they part ways. And it's a lethal weapon shout out. That's what this is going to be, basically, is that um, Jeremy Renner is going to walk on the screen and then we get a, hey, you, oh my God, finger guns, walk off. Well, we just had a a very good point in chat as well. Uh, Ed Norton is in Legacy. Also true. We have the Hulk. original. Well, wait. Do we count that Hulk anymore? I don't even know. <laughs> I thought we didn't count the uh, Ang Lee Hulk. That was the one we lost. Well, that one was a standalone thing. Like it was never intended to be a franchise crossover. Okay. Whereas the Ed Norton Hulk was supposed to be going forward the primary Hulk for the franchise. But when that one underperformed, they rethought it. Uh, Edward Ed Norton was very difficult to deal with, so they brought in. Um, um mark ruffalo okay so we don't know what black widow is what Mm -hmm. do we want to learn by the end of the film i suppose is the question i want to wrap this up with we know jason bourne's story mostly so what is it we're learning because we're learning black widow's backstory that's the whole point of the film what are we learning about jason bourne what's the point of those two hours okay i think there's an interesting way to look at this we don't know the plot of Black Widow other than reunion with family, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think White Widow's in this. Uh, Florence Pugh's playing that character. Um, we also have Rachel Weisz showing up. And also Legacy. we have... Legacy? Oh my God, it's all coming together. Um, we also have Taskmaster. Okay, so Taskmaster in the comics is a villain who's... Um, kind of an anti-hero, I guess. He's kind of crossed over into being a hero in some ways. But um, mm. his power is that he can replicate anyone's fighting style. So if you put him up against Bourne, he's going to instantly be able to mirror Matt Damon or Jason Bourne's fighting style. But if you look at the advertising for anything to do with Taskmaster, he has a solo you know, character poster. There is no actor name on that poster. So... I think what's going to happen is, by the end, we have a reveal 
of who the Taskmaster is, and it's going to mean something to Jason Bourne. Who is the Taskmaster? Okay, final question. Did we ever find out who Jason Bourne's mum is in the films? And we've covered all five of them by this point. No, we just talked. We just uh, met the father briefly. Yeah, it was. I think. Uh, yeah, Greg Henry. I think that, that's it then. It's it's Mama Bourne. Mm, you want to go with that route, huh? Like a family mm. angle. I yeah. was thinking maybe a character from the past that we could uh, dredge back up for continuity with the Bourne franchise as well. Tie it all together, a shared universe. Uh, was the guy from the end of Ultimate and Paz? Um, way. yeah yeah the one uh, edgar ramirez played who actually yeah. is Which he flashy enough if you reveal him at the end is that exciting no the only one that really stood out i think of the five films was um the guy in the first one that died right yeah the British professor actor. yeah the yeah, professor yeah. clive owen yeah clive owen that's it I, I would, or maybe you bring back Spy Hard's uh, previous guest on the show, Jerry Answer. Bring back Dash. Mm, sure, sure, Dash. Okay, here's actually, a, I think, an interesting one. What if I want to see, like, incredibly over-the-top fight sequences? I want to see Taskmaster doing backflips. I want to see crazy martial arts, the sort of stuff you saw, like, you know, Ray Park doing as Darth Maul. Um, mm. I want to see that sort of martial arts. And at the very end, he pulls off the mask, and it's Brian Cox. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Brian okay. Cox had faked his suicide in Born Ultimatum or no Supremacy, I think that he did that in. Um, and is actually the taskmaster. Are we going full uh rogue one uh dead actor age effect on, on someone else? Brian Cox is alive. Is he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just want to make a formal apology to Brian Cox. <laughs> This is why you do all the facts on the show and I just talk yeah. nonsense. Yeah. There yeah, you go. Sure. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> uh, um, so that was Jason Bourne in Black Widow. Okay. Yeah. What do we got next? Okay. Next up we have, ooh, big one. James Bond, Sean Connery. Okay. Okay. Now we are, just to uh, emphasize this, early Connery, not the late Connery where he was basically strolling through the movie looking bored. This is Connery when he's fully engaged, locked in on the role, and just, uh, you know, a, a young actor who really has something to prove. Okay, it's going who, back in. It is Goldfinger. So I'm, I'm putting it back okay, in. Okay, that's going back in, yeah. Because I can wrap my head around that one pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know it. We actually got that episode coming out next week. So that should yeah. be fun. Yeah. Um, okay, this kind of works. The Born Identity. Hmm. Interesting. Now, we were thinking with the Sean Connery Bond, we were thinking as well Goldfinger. So let's go with that because I think Dr. No is almost too easy a fit with this one. Um, yeah. I think like there's some rough around the edges. They haven't quite cracked the um, sort of super spy ser uh, superhero sort of concept of James Bond. They locked down in, in Goldfinger. So let's go with that. Uh, because sure I you don't think want there's... the moon buggy driving Diamonds of Forever Connery where he just doesn't care anymore. Hmm. I want to see I, I, I want to see the Brian Mills style of like quick cuts as they're trying to do the action scene where he like stabs a guy with a pen. And it's like um... 80 shots just to get Connery to go like that. 
boy now now i'm really torn maybe that is what we're doing maybe we are going diamonds are forever connery <laughs> or never say never again i'll take it no no no, no. okay never okay. never never <laughs> um all right I, i'm voting for diamonds are forever i i, I want full okay. camp connery for this okay film. let's go camp with this one then uh, makes the tone more fun to play with yeah yeah um well, the whole idea of identity is it's the first one where he's lost all his memory and he's finding it and he finds Franca Patente and they mm -hmm. get together. They they overcome uh, the initiative and they think they've got away with it. Mm -hmm. So they, they go to Malta or Greece, Mykonos, I believe, actually. Yeah. Um, so basically, from the second he wakes up on that boat, in the, in the water, I should say, he doesn't care. It's Connery has checked <laughs> out. He doesn't care. He's like, I've forgotten everything. I don't care. Well, like his innate charisma is so strong that it doesn't matter. Like that's mm. the thing about those latter Connery appearances. Like he's mostly it's a paycheck job at this point. He's kind of uh, lost his enthusiasm for the role. But all he has to do is show up, kind of have that twinkle in his eye and audiences are in love with him. So I think the thing is like, while <laughs> this version of Bourne doesn't have the forward momentum, of uh maybe what you would expect audiences instantly love this character it is i think pure by charm. the end of that boat ride when he mm -hmm. arrives back on shore he's the captain of the boat he has like a pipe and a hat mm, yeah um yeah i can see that so then throughout the film you see it takes jason Bourne a while to open up to franca patente i i'm yeah. pretty sure Collery has had sex with her in the first scene yeah, and I think we're swapping out uh, Franca Patente for Jill St. John. I think this is a Diamonds Are Forever reunion. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yep. Fine. I'm buying it. There's lots of parts where she goes like, ooh. All those weird sounds she makes near the end of the movie where suddenly her character becomes very strange. <laughs> um, I think that... I can see him not caring about his identity. That's the thing. Like, no. he just kind of, He's like, like, I'm James Bond, super spy James Bond, or in this case, Jason Bourne. <laughs> he he gets the, because he gets a little a little um, SIM card or whatever is in his arm or something with the bank details. He goes yeah. and picks up his money. He picks up all these fake passports, the uh, the, the, the Peter K of the world. Mm -hmm. Or Paul, Paul K, I should say. Oh my, no, no, no. This is a, a real chance to have some fun because when he pulls out the various identities, we've got like James Sinjin Smythe, James Stock, all mm -hmm. the other classic pseudonyms he used in the uh, in the movies. Is is one of them a photo of George Lazenby? Just for the nod, just just that. No, like, mm. they're all George Lazenby. All the photos, <laughs> <laughs> just to rub it into the audience. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I I think he he goes to France, meets Franca Patente, and convinces her just to go to Mykonos, and they just cut half the ending off. Mm, yeah, it's a very short film. I Oh, I think, well, I don't know, like, generally those Connery Bonds are very long, like, kind of, like, crazy long, considering the actual content. But I would say, like, if we're pushing Bourne identity in sort of the style of Diamonds Are Forever, the movie has to have the same kind of simple plot, because uh, Bourne identity does not have an overly complex plot. Mm -hmm. We need to make it more complex. We need to make it so convoluted that it's the audience doesn't even care at a certain point. They're just along for the ride. Things are happening. They don't even know why. Then we need more scenes with people in offices talking nonsense. Walter, is it Walton Goggins is in the film? Is he the office guy in that one? I love the Goggins. Uh, <laughs> he is now. 
Sure. Put them in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So they have, okay, so to make it confusing, then they have loads of different operators. We're going to have Larks in this one. We're going to have Blackbriar already. All the mm -hmm. ones, all the red green pills from like Legacy. Chuck all these <laughs> ideas into one film. The audience is scratching their head, and Sean Connery is just mugging at the screen the entire time. Yeah, and we're replacing like the professor with Bambi and Thumper. We are swapping out like um, all the various assassins from all these movies with classic Connery characters, like villains. Red Grant is coming back. Oh, okay, I last last amazing. question about this film. How does uh, Sean Connery as Jason Bourne dispatch off Clive Owens, which is uh, uh, Thumper and Bambi? Boy, that's a good question, actually, because it's pretty brutal in Bourne Identity. At this point, Bond's not really that brutal. Like, you think of the end of Diamonds Are Forever where he's, like, flinging Mr. Wint off a boat. <laughs> and it's, like, really silly. Like, it's got to be something goofy here. Um, you know, with uh, Bambi and Thumper in the movie, he's, like, holding their heads underwater in, like, a jacuzzi until they surrender. Maybe yeah. he just does that. Maybe, oh, I got it. Okay. He captures them or whatever. He grabs them. Washes their faces with snow, because I believe that was actually in the snow, that sequence, mm -hmm. until they're like, I surrender, I surrender. And then he's like, well, learned your lesson. <laughs> and then he just walks off. <laughs> yeah, it's a very slow walk, too. He gets back into his moon buggy and just drives along the snow. Yes, yes. Perfect. Okay, number six, what have we got? Okay, number six, we have... This is Brian Mills, as played by Liam Neeson. There's, there's a film I really want to get, and mm -hmm. I hope I get it. It's too bad Spy Kids was taken off the table. I don't think Liam Neeson was ever a child. I, I got what I wanted. I got what I wanted. Austin Powers, Austin International Powers. Man of Mystery. Ah. <laughs> okay. Taken, the dad of Taken, Mr. U2 on tour. Mr. Uh, what was that? Holly Valance from uh, uh, British pop music there in that film. So, okay. Yeah. She, okay, so in this film, Brian Mills is a 60s spy that is frozen and wakes up in the 90s to defeat a guy who's just evil. Yeah, he's okay. like running a, a, a volcano lair and he wants to hold the uh, world hostage for $1 million. Um, so, okay. He, Brian Mills is super serious. So oh, he yeah. Hates he has all of this stuff. He hates everything. It. He hates it. He is like taking your father to see Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery with you. He's mm -hmm. angry. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's upset and he wants to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I could just, like, I could see him doing the, uh, there's that gag at the beginning of the film when they unfreeze Austin and he does the uh, evacuation complete. Mm. I could just see him just, like, getting pissed off and just, and just like, and just walking off. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He just has no time for it. Battle it's exposition, like... no time for him. Yeah, it just cuts to like Brian Mills being like, where's my raisin bran? Like, <laughs> just he's tired. And he just wants to put his feet up, read a newspaper. He doesn't want to be doing any of this. Okay, here's a question for you. If Brian Mills is a fan of U2 in Taken, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the boring U2 equivalent of the 60s? Oh my is he a, is God. Is he a fan of like the monkeys? Or is no, that too The monkeys hip? were considered cool. Like people liked the monkeys. They had their own TV show. They were really popular. I mean, I, I, not that you two aren't popular. What am I talking about? You've seen <laughs> them I live. Like, so have I. I. I've seen you two several times live. But um, I think uh, the thing is, though, that like um, the the uh, the monkeys spoke to youth culture, and uh, you two 
like that was ridiculous and taken where it's like the 16 year old or whatever 17 year old wanting to um follow you two does anyone have any idea chat have any idea about like the most boring 60s band you can think of yeah uh, is it like it, simon and garfunkel is that 70s uh... that's 70s uh i think it has to be a band even from the 50s or something like the thing is it's kind of outdated right i've got it cliff richard and the shadows i don't even know what that means but let's go for it <laughs> <laughs> it's a very british reference i'll give you that but you know he's he's a guy now who brings out songs called like the lord's prayer uh, that, that he's gone that oh, way okay. now and like but he he was like the low end version of the beatles but not even okay. loved like you could have gone for like the osmonds but they were sex symbols like cliff richard and the shadows they were, were... <laughs> yeah do you okay. not do you not find well, Donny Scott... osmond sexy i, I, I love You're revealing a lot about yourself in this episode we go to vegas every year i always pop off to see the osmonds Mm, I'm true. there every night. I'm screaming. I throw my pants on the stage. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for Cliff Richard in the Shadows. And so he is throughout the film as like a subplot trying to find Cliff Richard in the Shadows CDs or tapes okay. or vinyls or something. But yeah, I think he kills Dr. Evil. Immediately. Like, that's the thing. A lot of this is depending on like, well, Austin and Dr. Evil just always kind of dance around each other. Austin fires a gun that you know ro you know hits like the beam over top of Dr. Evil's head. Dr. Evil runs around. This like introduces um Brian Mills to Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil makes some joke and like Brian Mills literally grabs him and breaks his neck in front of the entire audience and everyone is horrified. Like Rob mm -hmm. Lowe number 1 is just jaw drops. Scott Evil starts clapping. Um yeah. like Mr. Bigglesworth runs away. It's uh it's a real horror show. Yeah, this film is very short, isn't it? Is this like, okay, this is a very dark comedy, isn't it? Because I mm -hmm. think like Brian Mills is just committing heinous acts on these people. <laughs> like It's, it's a almost... lot of like cartoonish supervillains running around being incompetent and Brian Mills hunting them for sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that actually, him stalking people. I can, I can see him kind of like the Harry Palmer where he's just like, exasperated by everything around him the bureaucracy mm -hmm. of it all but all the madness is happening around him all this like crazy dr evil nonsense but yeah i i think it's it's a 90 minute film where he has assassinated dr evil by the 60 minute mark yeah and one of my complaints with uh taken was always that it doesn't really have particularly memorable villains mm. but in this movie we've got Do obviously dr evil scott evil number one um, we have um, Random Task. We have the Lucky Charms guy, whose name I'm completely forgetting. We have the the Will Ferrell character who falls down the hills, although in this case is hurled violently down that hill by Liam Neeson. Horribly. And then run over. Yeah. <laughs> and then run over. And um, <laughs> oh, oh my God, someone in the chat chime in. What was the name of the female assistant to Dr. Evil, the one with the really shrill voice? Um, I'm totally blanking. Is it like I can't remember Frau, Frau oh, Ferbissena or something? Ferbissena. Frau Ferbissena. Yeah, yeah. He would do an order and she would do it at an exceedingly high pitch. And I have a twist for you at the end. Okay. Brian Mills, as we've seen through Taken, kind of a sad guy, right? You know, he's shopping for karaoke players, lives alone, having barbecues with his friends. Mm -hmm. At the end, he finds love with Frau Ferbissena. Yeah, that's right. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. That's right. So there I like we that. go. It's got a happy ending. It's got a happy it does. ending. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Okay, we have two spies and two films to go. What do we got? Okay, we have the penultimate one. Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff from the Marvel Universe will be and starring in... She will be starring in... Hmm. Goldfinger. Okay. Ah! I've got it. Uh -huh. This is oh, this is good. This okay. is actually, I think, a pretty good match in terms of tones. Like Marvel Universe is very much inspired by James Bond. The Marvel films always end with character blood. You know, character X will return a, mm -hmm. a la James Bond. So, okay, uh, what are you thinking? Well, the main problem with Goldfinger is okay. And our episode's coming out on Tuesday. Check it out. But one of the things we bring up is the issue with Pussy Galore. <laughs> Yeah, um, but we have Black Widow issue. Mm -hmm. So, are we doing a male version of this then? No, no, no. I think I, I, I think that Pussy Galore is a woman. Black Widow is is Natasha, and at least that scene isn't awkward anymore. Oh, I get you. I get you. Okay, the way that Bond turns uh, Pussy Galore over to his side in the film is uh, mm -hmm. hashtag problematic in uh, yeah. 2021. Sure, sure. Yeah, that scene is now corrected because it's more of like a sisterhood thing. Like they team up to take yeah. down um, Goldfinger. And I just feel like there's something about the Goldfinger character that would lend himself very well to be a villain in a Black Widow-led movie. Like, I actually think watching Natasha Romanoff take him down would actually be pretty entertaining. Thank you so much, Nerd Revert, for the $10 donation. Love the Spy Hearts, guys. Hey, oh, buddy. Thank you. You all right? Thanks for tuning in, man. Um, yeah. So, I guess with that, then, does she... Does she infiltrate Goldfinger's cabal as a spy? Mm. And then she yeah. meets Pussy Galore that way, is found out, gets locked up. Pussy Galore helps. Maybe she jo maybe she joins the uh, Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that could be great. I mean, here's the thing. you If you're going to have Black Widow, you want to have some bigger maybe action sequences. You want to work her in a little more in ways that fans would expect Black Widow to be seen on screen. And I think... Yeah, you have her doing some action scenes in a plane, for example. Um, you have her tied to the whole like gassing of um, all the security around Fort Knox, the army all around there. I think you could make an action scene out of that. Plus, I mean, Black Widow taking down Oddjob in Fort mm. Knox. Badass. She is going to do that thing she does that I don't even know what it is. That move where she like jumps on people's heads, spins around them, and then flips them. She's it's like a hurricane rana in wrestling, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's going to do that to odd job, hurl him at those bars and electrocute it in one move. It's going to be so badass. The audience is going to cheer the same way they did when the portals opened in Endgame. I just, we have a twist on the plot from chat here. So okay. I'll read it out. Pussy Galore is Black Widow, deep undercover, kills James Bond, and then kills Ulrich Goldfinger, steals a million, and then leaves the most, making it look like a failed robbery. That's, oh. the, that's the red mark on her ledger. That's yes. the red mark. Yes. And are we going to work in a scene here where she's tied to... Okay, you know the scene where um, Bond is strapped to the table, the gold-cutting lasers cutting through, and blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. Are we going to take that scene from the first Avengers film where she is tied to the chair and kind of work that in here where she mm. kind of playing because in that in that scene like she's being very kind of um jokey with the her you know assailants she's um 
acting cocky and giving snide remarks back to them is that that scene where she's going to just like completely flip that table and free herself has to be you have to have that laser yeah. scene in there it's pivotal to the film okay i'm i'm liking this one uh we've got one more to go and i want to do awards before the show wraps up so what's the last one cam okay we're doing austin powers starring in yeah, charlie's angels interesting okay. tone wise um charlie's angels a lot of the humor is almost austin powers level mm -hmm. um so i actually think this works pretty well what do you think um, i'm gonna put austin in place of all of the individual angel scenes so i in my head austin powers is giving tim curry the back massage and sticking his toes in his mouth yeah yeah uh, i don't know why that image is in my head but it is now um, yes sorry about that everyone uh da -da 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 -da. And I think also we're going to have a scene where Sam Rockwell's dancing at the end mm. and um, Austin Power starts dancing with them. Do, do we... The problem is, do we gender swap Sam Rockwell or do we keep it as it is? I like the idea of Austin Powers dancing with Sam Rockwell so much that I want to keep it. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. All right, I think I, I think that film fits pretty well. You could maybe stick Austin in most of the scenes and it, it kind of works. You know, Charlie is basically Basil Exposition. It just mm -hmm. kind of swaps around really easily. Um, Creepy Thin Man versus Austin Powers is, is a fight I would like to have seen. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, um, would be that would be great. Yeah, I mean, and I think we could have so a lot of fun with Austin Powers doing like Waifu or Wirefu um, because I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, because you think Tom of that Cruise. Charlie's Angels film, it's that post-Matrix world where the angels are defying gravity and doing action mm. sequences and kicking in the air. I want to see Austin Powers doing that. I think we maybe had a little bit of that in the movie, but I want more. I want doing him doing crazy things. I think he'll end up karate chopping the creepy thin man in the shoulder to take him down. Yeah, That's, because that has that's to the be thing. the end. He's just going to knock him out. That opens us up for creepy thin man coming back in the next film, which he did. As in his Toronto. love interest, of course. Of course. Of yeah. course. Okay, we have our eight films, Cam. We have a few minutes to go, so let's do some awards. Yes. Okay. So I want whoever's in the chat who's been keeping up with the films. If you have a favorite, let me know which film you want to you want to see made, and we'll we'll shout that out in a second. But for me, the best film is Ethan Hunt in Taken. Interesting. That's the one that jumps out to you, huh? I just love the whole uh, idea of him undercover in the syndicate and taking the mask off as the daughter to become Ethan Hunt. That's got a twist. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I can kind of side with that one. I think that one lines up really well. Plus, I think you could do a jokier version of the, um, you know, the basically the Liam Neeson monologue on the phone. Mm -hmm. I think Tom Cruise sells it. I think this is actually a really good match in that it would show us as I said, kind of a Logan version of Ethan Hunt. That's interesting to me. It has novelty, but I also think it would be a coherent movie as opposed to some of these other ones. <laughs> We've got a vote for uh, Spy Kids and Fallout for uh, audience favorite. That's uh, that. Uh, I like the idea of him having the blisters on his fingers and falling off the thing and then getting saved by yeah. his sister in the jetpack. That that sounds quite fun. Um, mm. Which one is most likely to be the critical darling? Which one is going to get the best reviews? The one that everyone's going to champion and get the 90... 8% on Rotten Tomatoes because there's always a grouch out there that'll lower it from 100, but it's going to rank very high. Um, I can kind of see the Black Widow in Goldfinger one. 
mm. getting a lot of reviews. Like I think that they would find a lot of what's doing a little transgressive. It's taking a sort of established Bond plot and um, shifting it a little bit in interesting directions. And I mean, Scarlett Johansson's great actress. I think you could do really interesting things there. Okay, and which one wins the Razzie? Um, okay. I mean, the Charlie's Angels in Spy Kids gets kind of weird. Um, I, I think that one's a, a contender, but that also has a lot of camp value, which may make it a better choice for one of the other awards. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, Charlie's Angels and Spy Kids. I think Brian Mills and Austin Powers is getting bad reviews. That's yeah, or or Connery in Born. If we're doing Diamonds Are Forever, Connery. Yeah, like just true. mugging his way through the film. He doesn't care anymore. Maybe, yeah, I could see that one winning the Razzie because they're just like, what a tired performance. I could see yeah. that. Why, why did he do it? Was it just a paycheck for him? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. Okay, and which one becomes the Midnight Cult movie? Well, this is where I'm wondering: Is the Charlie's Angels in Spy Kids? Does that become a midnight movie? Where a lot of the shtick of this movie, people are yelling it at the screen, not in like a, you know, the room kind of way mm. where it's just so bad, but more of like something like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, where there's like a real camp value that people really love to appreciate about it and find a lot of joy in. Because here's the thing Charlie's Angels plus Spy Kids, these are two very upbeat things, very like, uh, you know, like Charlie's Angels kind of goes full camp. Mm-hmm. um spy kids teeters towards camp i think it you know intentionally it's very cartoony yeah i think there's something about that like there's a joy to that that i think people are gonna have fun with at midnight it's gonna keep them awake yeah i think i vote for that on my razzie as well uh I, no sorry on my my cult movie i think i would actually go and watch that it, it's like a guilty pleasure film yeah you don't you don't want to admit your friends that you've got it on blu-ray but you bloody well do right yeah Right. Okay. And I think the only other audience award we had was for. Oh, someone would prefer the Spike is to do an earlier Mission Impossible film. Oh, an earlier Mission mm-hmm. Impossible film. Hmm. You're not allowed to prefer things, Chrisini. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to think which one the Spike is would fit into. Uh, Mission Impossible 2. Like rock climbing swishing your hair out of your eyes um and lots of motorbike foo and and metallica oh yeah and limp biscuit i want those spy kids being backed by um you know now i know why you want to hate me yeah yeah now i know (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's a pretty good spy kids uh, spy lineup i would say films i would watch some of these some of these i'd probably skip but uh hey ho i would watch every one of them because whether they're train wrecks or whether they're good, they are always going to be interesting across the board. Every one of them is, in some ways, a total nightmare. <laughs> I mean, they 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 all sound absolutely amazing to me. Take a, take a moment here before you guys run out uh, and let the audience know where they can find you guys out there on the web. This was an absolute blast, guys. Well, oh, first of all, thank you for having us uh, yeah. on, on the stream. It's a great cause, and we're happy to jump in and do what we can. Um, as for Spy Hards, uh, luckily, you can find us basically everywhere at Spy Hards. That's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. For some reason, we're on TikTok. I don't know how to use it. I'm an old man, but we're there. 
But yeah, otherwise, every Tuesday, any podcast app, that's where you can find us. Mm-hmm. Make sure you subscribe to these guys. Uh, th- that was, like I said, that was that was an absolute blast. Check out Spy Hards. They're absolutely incredible. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for being here. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.